Welcome back to another episode of Mogul Chicks Chat. I'm your host, Adrienne Graham. I'm the CEO and proud founder of Mogul Chicks LLC, and that's Chicks with an X. I am a serial entrepreneur and a self-made businesswoman who is a strategic business growth advisor, published author, mentor, and investor. We help female founders of color grow and scale profitable job creating companies and eventually get their company's investment ready. We also help groom them into dynamic leaders and CEOs and build legacy wealth in the process. Mogul Chicks is a mindset, a way of life, if you will, and a blueprint for female founders who want to build a legacy of wealth and a generational business empire. We provide strategic business growth solutions and a platform for resources, mentoring, networks, and education. Our mission is to take your company from flat to profit generating, to job creating, to investment ready. My personal mission is to help you build and run a better company, reimagine the way you do business, and build lasting wealth. Oh, and before I forget, be sure to tag at Mogul Chicks using the hashtag Mogul Chicks Chat on social media. Make sure you rate the show and leave a comment. It helps people find us. Share the love, share the love. So today, my guest, Radiance Harris, is an award-winning trademark attorney and entrepreneur. As the founder and managing attorney of Radiance IP Law, she helps small and emerging businesses protect, monetize, and leverage profitable brands with trademarks so that they can establish legal ownership and protection. And that's what we're gonna be talking about today. And it distinguishes themselves from uh, from the competition and prevents theft. Hi, Radiance. Good morning. How are you? Good. How are you? Thank you so much for having me. No problem. I'm excited to have you on here. This is a topic that a lot of us, we put our our heads in the sand on protection because we feel, oh, nobody's going to take our idea. And then as soon as someone takes our ideas, oh my God, I can't believe they took my idea. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So this this has been a long time coming. I'm, I'm so happy to talk about IP protection and you are the perfect person to talk about it with. So let's jump right into it. So the first thing, and this is something that people I find just observing, they interchange copyright, trademark, and patent. And I'm not an attorney and, you know, I step back and like, okay, there's a difference. So since we have the expert on, tell the audience about the difference between the copyright, trademark, and a patent and when each one is applicable. Okay, sure. Yeah, so when you hear the umbrella term intellectual property, it encompasses trademarks, copyrights, patents, and trade secrets. And those are four very distinct intellectual properties. So for example, trademarks protect your brand. So your business name, your product and service names, your event names, your logo, your slogans, your podcast name, your blog names, anything that essentially has a name that under which you're promoting a product or service would be considered a potential trademark. Uh, for copyright, you that protects content. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that anything that you write, videos that you record, audio that you record, drawings, written materials, PowerPoint presentations, those are all examples of copyright. And then lastly, patents protect invention. So if you invented something new and nuanced, then you would secure patent protection for that. Right. Thank you for clearing that up. So if someone chooses, let's say, um, 
they want to trademark, but we know the cost is, is exorbitant. Suppose they say, well, you know what? I heard that through the state, I can protect it and do that until I get to federal. Is that wise to do something like that? And is that available in 50 states? So, um, so it's usually, well, one thing, I guess one misunderstanding, the trademark process is not expensive because of the fact that once you do secure a U.S. federal trademark uh, registration, the life of that is 10 years. So it's a really small investment when you look at that. And it's a really small investment, particularly when you're hiring an attorney who is handling that entire process for you. And then you have it for 10 years. Mm -hmm. um, usually, so the way copyright or I'm sorry, trademark law works is that you can either have what's called common law trademark rights, or you can have U.S. federal trademark rights. And so when you just start a business and you're using a name and at a minimum, you would have what's called common law trademark rights, which are limited to your ge geographic region. So assuming you're the first user of the name that you're using in connection with your offerings, you would have at a minimum common law rights just where you are. So if you're in Georgia, it's just limited to Georgia. If you're in Maryland, I'm in Maryland, it's just limited to Maryland. So if someone else, a competitor in particular, were to start using your name in another part of the United States, you would be essentially asked out. <laughs> like, meaning you couldn't really prevent them from doing so legally because you don't have that legal ownership and protection that a U.S. federal trademark registration would afford you. So a U.S. federal trademark gives you the exclusive ownership and legal protection across all 50 states, regardless of whether you ever physically step foot foot in those states, you are legally protected with a U.S. federal trademark registration. So, um, you know, securing a, a local trademark, state trademark, it doesn't really do much of anything, uh, to be honest, because, you know, at a minimum, you can already claim um, U.S. Uh, common law, or not, sorry, trade local I'm sorry, it's a morning. Like, I'm all, like, discombobulated. Um, local common law trademark rights versus the U.S. federal, which can only be obtained through the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office. Okay, good to know. So, <laughs> on the average, how long is the process from the time you put the application in until hopefully one day they say, hey, you've got your federal trademark? It's on average about, you can expect about a year. I've had clients who have registered as quickly as like 10 months and I have have had other clients where it's been more prolonged. A lot of it has to do with uh, your basis for filing. So when you file a U.S. trademark application, you could file based on current use. Mm -hmm. So you're providing evidence that you've already been using the trademark and here's the, here's the proof. And then on the flip side, if you haven't started using it, you can file based on an intent to use. The intent to use trademark tends to be a little bit longer process because later in the process, you have to provide evidence to the USPTO that you're actually using the trademark as you've said you are using it. Um, so that's the main difference. But on average, it's about that, that time from start to finish. Okay. Okay. Is there, is there anything that trips up the process? Like I know there are certain delays. Is there certain issues that come up that may delay it? Yeah, so in, as a part of the process, so once we file the U.S. trademark application, there's a three to four month window before anyone from the U.S. PTO will even look at your application. So you're waiting that three to four months just for them to review it and see if there are any issues. Once they review your application, they're going to look and see if there's any issues. If there are, they're going to issue what's called an office action. 
An office action could include like really simple issues that you need to tweak or it can include more substantive refusals such as likelihood of confusion refusal or merely descriptive refusal to which now you have six months to respond to. So you have to respond, you know, file a written response with the USPTO uh, depending upon what the issues are. Then once you do that, they have to look at that over, determine if you've met the requirements. If you have, then they'll push your application forward. If you haven't, they'll issue another office action to which you only have one more time to get it right before your trademark application will just be denied. Then once that the process is through, then you go to what's called the trademark publication period where your trademark application is published for opposition in the official trademark gazette. So any third parties who think that they would be harmed by you securing a federal US federal trademark registration can oppose your trademark. Mm -hmm. And so in opposition, if someone files a trademark opposition, that is like essentially it's like litigation but the only thing that they are, I guess, um, determining is your right to register. They're not determining your right to use, and it's they're determining your right to register, and it's before the U.S. Trademark Trial and Appeal Board. So it's like an administrative tribunal type of case, but it can go really long if your trademark is opposed. Right. Um, fortunately, in my case, the clients I've worked with, I haven't had the, like, the firm, my firm I've worked with for five years, I haven't had any of my clients' trademarks opposed yet, thank the Lord. But that is something that can happen in the process. Assuming no one opposes in that 30-day window, then your, your trademark will either go to registration or you'll have to provide evidence of trademark use if it's an intent to use trademark application. So as you see, it's a pretty lengthy, like there's different steps in the process. It's not just like you file the application and wait and you're approved. Like there's different steps that you have to take to secure it okay good oh wow okay i see i can see how some people might feel discouraged by the process and they were like well you know what i've been using it so i might as well just forget it no i think it's very important to trademark and protect your property and yeah and i know i've, I've been guilty of putting it off I told you that story before, <laughs> and then the audience knows my story. So about my previous com uh, company. So, um, what would we say are the three biggest mistakes that people make when they're trying to protect their IP? Um, the three. So only three. So if I had to identify the the top three, um, the main thing is that um, thinking that securing an LLC or securing domain names gives you legal ownership and protection. Mm -hmm. It does not. Um, the only thing that can give you actual legal ownership and protection is a trademark. So if you just have those things, you just have a business entity that's recognized with the state and you just have a domain name that directs to your website. That's it. It doesn't, doesn't confirm any legal ownership or protection whatsoever. So mm -hmm. that's the one thing. The second thing is that um, businesses tend to not do their due diligence and investigation when they adopt a new business name. They just say, oh, that sounds great. Oh, I love this name. And then they start plastering it over everything. There's a lot of risk to doing that because one, is it even available? Are you, are you, are you infringing on another party's third, third party's trademark rights? You know, is this something that could slap you in the face later on where you might receive a cease and desist letter or have to rebrand? So that means now you're spending the money, you're investing in a brand that you don't own to build no legal ownership. So if somebody were to try to or take it, they could because you wouldn't have any legal recourse if you don't have a trademark. And then on the flip side, if someone were to send a cease and desist letter, 
Now you have to start over and reinvest your time, money, and resources to then build and protect the new name. So that's the main thing, not doing the trademark search at, at the beginning and then getting the application on file, waiting for that process. And then thirdly, I would say um, uh, the issue I see, not having the business contracts that you need. So protecting your intellectual property, yeah, there's these formal processes that you need, that, are, that you do to secure that. But you also need to make sure that you have your agreements in place, you know, as you're running your business, because you are potentially giving away very valuable intellectual property. So for example, a lot of people might have a third party design their website or their logos or, or these things that are, you know, very essential to the building of the business. And they don't maintain any ownership of that. And so just by virtue of paying someone to do something does not mean you own it in, in the intellectual property space. You need something in writing transferring those rights to you. So basically those people, whoever, your logo designer, whoever, own your content unless there's in something in writing to the contrary. Right. So that's either social media content they're creating or anything like that. So mm -hmm. I would say those are the three main things is not, not having those legal protections in place to protect your IP from an actual you know, legal standpoint and then contractually. Um, those are the two, two, three main things that I just identified. Okay. And I know there are many, many more. And if you guys want to know more, you can hire Radiance and figure it out with our that day. <laughs> plug, right. plug, which really segues, segues me into the next thing. What is it? Tell the people about what it is you do and tell them any, about anything you have coming up that they need to be aware of. Sure. So I essentially, as you mentioned earlier, I, I help businesses protect, monetize, and leverage profitable brands with trademarks. So my clients hire me to handle the trademark process for them and make sure that they are, are protected. They also hire me to enforce their trademarks once they do secure those protections. And so, you know, that's what I'm known for. I also help clients with licensing, uh, which a lot of people are looking to do nowadays, especially with the, the pandemic going on, is really how do you monetize all of this content and this intellectual property that you've created and your expertise? How can you package it and leverage it? And the way that you do that is through licensing. But in order to license, you need to protect your IP first. So I help clients do that as well. And so um, I would say the main thing that I would encourage people to do uh, if they have a lim you know, limited budget, a lot of people are scared of attorneys and only think that they should go talk to an attorney where they're in trouble. When you have a business, you should be more proactive because there's two things that can make or break your business. Not having the legal foundation and, and Uncle Sam. Mm -hmm. Don't mess around with Uncle Sam and you don't mess around with your legal structure. So what I, what I offer is an IP strategy session. It's a 45 minute session. We do a deep dive into your intellectual property we also, I also provide you with a business liability audit as, a, as an extra bonus in addition to that. So we look at what do you have going on with your business? What are the things that you need to do and fix and how much it'll cost you? So you'll literally walk away from this session with an action plan of what it is that you need to do and how much it'll cost you. So whether you work with me or decide to go work with someone else, at least you have the knowledge and the understanding and the clarity around what you need to do to legally protect yourself so that you can build a profitable, you know, 
seven figure, eight figure brand, you know, so that that's the goal. And so that's what I help clients do through my IP strategy sessions. Right. I love it. Yeah. This, and you know what, we are going to tell our listeners that yes, radiance is the one that you need to go to. <laughs> that's just my, yes, let's do it. Come on community. Let's come. <laughs> really quickly. Do you only work with clients in Maryland or do you work with people throughout the 50 states? So fortunately for, trademark law or intellectual property law in general. It's a federal law practice. So I work with clients all across the United States as well as internationally if they're seeking protection in the United States. So that's a beauty that I, I can work with anywhere, you know, any business anywhere. Okay. Well then that segues into the, the next set of questions because we're going to talk about uh, international and I have a couple of questions about that, but um okay. As far as the international, is there a separate process for that? Or is it something different than here in the U.S.? Because I'll share an example. Every two years or so, I get this email from someone in China saying that we would like to use your name and we would like to, to you know, and I'm like, okay, no, first of all. <laughs> Second of all, how do I protect myself from people that are abroad. So is there like a certain process or is it, is it yeah. talk a little bit about international trademark? Sure. So generally, I mean, trademark rights are jurisdictional. So when you secure a U.S. federal trademark registration, that is the scope of your protection. Mm -hmm. If you're interested in getting trademark protection in other countries, you need to pursue the process in those other countries. So there is a caveat though. There is a process in the United States. It's called the Madrid Protocol Process that I help my clients with, there's essentially like 120 plus member countries that are part of the Madrid Protocol. And the Madrid Protocol is a, a centralized way to file a single application, designate certain member countries, and then they shoot out that applications to those respective trademark offices. So it's a more streamlined way of securing trademark in other countries. So like, you know, the, e, the European community, the UK, um, China, multiple countries are a part of it. So it's just important to kind of identify like what are those hot button areas internationally where you would like to secure protection for, and then we can file through the Madrid protocol process. It's a lot more efficient. It's a lot more affordable than if you were to uh, hire attorneys in each of those countries. But it is important to know that yes, trademark rights are jurisdictional and you do have to secure protection in other countries. Okay. Okay. I did not know about that Madrid protocol process. I'm going to look that up. So thank you, <laughs> especially to the listeners. I know you guys probably didn't know about it either. So look that up. Um, I would definitely love to have you come on and, and talk about international trademark one day We we're in licensing. We're, we're going to need to set that up. So <laughs> tell me what, what is covered uh, under intellectual property? Because I know that there's a clear difference of what can and cannot be protected. So can you talk about with the three, uh, with patent, trademark, and, and copyright, what can be covered or what's allowed to be covered? So, yeah, so intellectual property covers those things plus trade secrets. So, for example, with a trademark, you can protect your business name, your slogans, logos, products and service names, icons, anything that is being served as a source identifier for your business, events name, podcast name, blog name, anything in that like that can be protected as a trademark. Um, for copyright, you can protect things like your book and your website and your written materials and stuff like that. 
you can't protect with like copyright, like a lot of times you can't protect, like for example, book titles are not protectable for copyright. Um, on the trademark side, book titles are only protectable if it's a series. Mm. So like one-off books and th things like that, there's no protection in those things. Uh, recipes are the same way. There's no copyright protection in, in the recipe, though there is trade secret um, protection. So trade secrets are basically anything that is meant to be proprietary to your business. Mm -hmm. So like, for example, you might buy a product and you know how the listed ingredients on the back of the packaging, you know what the ingredients are, but you don't know the formulation. So like right. the different product formulations or business formulas and things like that are meant to be kept a secret. And so you would have what's called a trade secret. And the only way to protect a trade secret is with a non-disclosure and confidentiality agreement, provisions like that to keep it a secret. Okay. So not sharing it and or having the contracts in place to make sure that it's not shared. Like Coca-Cola, Aunt Annie's pretzels, you know, um, a bunch of people like that have trade secrets where they keep those things under wraps. Mm -hmm. um, and so for patents, it's inventions. I'm not a patent attorney, so I can't really speak to like what, what the nuances are. I, I just know enough to be dangerous. But essentially, if you've made something that's like novel and, and creative and unique, and it's a, like a product of some kind. Like the super soaker. Usually, you, exactly. Like the traffic light was a, you know, patent, things like that. Mm -hmm. um, I think even Apple's patented their, their, their iPhone. So things like that, like, can be protected as a patent. So, mm -hmm. you know, it kind of, it just depends. Like a lot of times, like, say if you're a clothing brand, they come to me and they say, oh, I have all these sayings on my shirt. Like, can I trademark that? I say, well, no, you can't trademark that because it's just a design on the shirt. Now, if it's a if it's an actual brand, you know, where you have like the the label inside label has those you know sayings or names on it, then yes, you can protect that because it's being used as a trademark. Otherwise, it's just a design on a T-shirt, in right. which case it would just be you know copyright in that design. Right. Uh, assuming there's something unique about the design and not just a bunch of words. So it kind of depends. You know, it's like a case by case. The beauty about intellectual property is that it's not black and white. It's quite subjective. Mm -hmm. um, so that's why it's important to go to a professional because this is not something that's just like black and white. It kind of just depends. Like that's like a, a certain, it just depends on your case and it depends on your facts of like whether or not something is protectable. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. Well, final question. What's the okay. weirdest thing someone's ever come to you that, that they wanted to protect? Um, I, I wouldn't say it's weird. It's just, um, there are, believe it or not, like in the trademark space, you can, there are people who have secured trademark protection for things like scents, um, colors, um, things like that. And so those are things that you can protect as a trademark, but it has to be like, really, it's like, it's a much higher standard than going to protect like your business name or something like that. So that's like the main thing is like, I've had a couple of clients in the past who I've worked with who've had like more nuanced trademarks like that. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't think it's weird. It's just not as common. <laughs> uh, but to be honest, I haven't really had too many weird requests, uh, thankfully. So. <laughs> Ooh. Well, this has been so informative and I'm so glad that you came forward that you need to send her your business, your IP business. You need to contact <laughs> her to tell them how they can reach you. 
Sure. So you can check out my website, which is www.radianceiplaw.com. You can also find me on Instagram at Radiance Harris ESQ. I am on Facebook at Radiance IP Law. And also feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn as well. Exactly. And you know what? Before we sign off, you have to tell the story. Let me let me set it up. So I was <laughs> we were part of a group together, and I saw that she had posted a picture that she got her her uh, trademark on her name, and I said, "Oh, well, congratulations!" She said, "Girl, I had that five years ago, or however long it's been." Yeah, right. <laughs> Tell the story about what made you decide to go ahead and and, and and trademark your name. Sure. So, well, when I so previously before I started my own law practice, I worked for a big law firm. And I was working with like Fortune 200 companies and it was very, uh, very strict and, you know, high hourly billing and all of that. So I knew that when I branched off to start my own practice that I really wanted to distinguish myself from other lawyers, other law firms. So I didn't want to call my firm like law offices of Radiance Harris or, you know, Harris Law Firm, which a lot of attorneys tend to do. I wanted to send a different message. So when I was like brainstorming, I was like, oh, well, my name's Radiance. Why don't I call my law firm Radiance? Because it is a word in the dictionary. Mm -hmm. And so I came up with the name Radiance IP Law. And so I launched my law firm at the end of 2015, pursued the, the trademark process at that time. Um, and so now, every now and then, I'll weave in a, a photo of my trademark registration certificate on social media just to like get people's attention. And people think I just got it, but I didn't. It's been it's almost like four or five years now because um, mm -hmm. it's always important to get it at the beginning of your business. But yeah, so she was like, congratulations. I'm like, girl, <laughs> I've had that for five years. <laughs> Absolutely. But you know what? It illustrates a point that you walk the walk. You're not just telling people to protect their intellectual property. You took the step to do that yes. before you even launched your company. So you mm -hmm. walk the walk and you and you talk talk. So yes. we got the real deal here, y'all. So make sure you check <laughs> her out. <laughs> yes. so thank you, Radius, for coming on. And I really appreciate it. And I look forward to many, many, many more conversations with you. Likewise. Thank you so much for having me again. It was a blast. I'm Adrienne Graham, CEO and founder of Mogul Chicks, and this has been another Mogul Chicks chat. I want to help you build a better, more profitable company by providing strategic growth solutions, resources, mentoring, training, and access to capital. Make sure you check out the other episodes, and if you like what you hear, share the love. Pass the link on to your friends. You can find this podcast on Pandora, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, Anchor, and of course, on the Mobile Chicks website. Make sure you subscribe. And if you subscribe and leave a comment on any or all of these channels, it helps other people find the podcast too. Sharing is caring. For more information about how we work with you to grow and scale your company, visit us online at mogulchicks.com. Send an email to contact at mogulchicks.com. Or you can connect with us all over social media at LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, and Pinterest, and everywhere else at Mogul Chicks. And that's Mogul Chicks with an X. And if you're not yet part of the Mogul Circle, if you're doing over a million dollars in revenue annually, or the Makers Club, if you're doing six figures in revenue annually, what are you waiting for? There's so much value in membership and the communities. 
Or if you prefer a good program or trying to move beyond startup phase, check out the Mogul Chicks Academy at mogulchicksacademy.com. I'll catch you on the next episode. Stay safe. Mogul Chicks are always a step ahead of the crowd and they're always closing deals. Remember, Mogul Chicks make mogul moves and power plays. Your move. Now go be profitable. Bye.
you, you can't use the excuse you couldn't get in touch with her. There are multiple ways to get in touch with her. Absolutely. So, that said, thank you so much. Thank and you. I look forward to collaborating with you. All right, same here. I'm Adrienne Graham, CEO and founder of Mogul Chicks, and this has been another Mogul Chicks chat. I want to help you build a better, more profitable company by providing strategic growth solutions, resources, mentoring, training, and access to capital. Make sure you check out the other episodes. And if you like what you hear, share the love. Pass the link on to your friends. You can find this podcast on Pandora, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, Anchor, and of course, on the Mobile Chicks website. Make sure you subscribe. And if you subscribe and leave a comment on any or all of these channels, it helps other people find the podcast too. Sharing is caring. For more information about how we work with you to grow and scale your company, visit us online at mogulchicks.com. Send an email to contact at mogulchicks.com. Or you can connect with us all over social media at LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, and Pinterest, and everywhere else at Mogul Chicks. And that's Mogul Chicks with an X. And if you're not yet part of the Mogul Circle, if you're doing over a million dollars in revenue annually, or the Makers Club, if you're doing six figures in revenue annually, what are you waiting for? There's so much value in membership and the communities. Or if you prefer a good program or trying to move beyond startup phase, check out the Mogul Chicks Academy at mogulchicksacademy.com. I'll catch you on the next episode. Stay safe. Mogul Chicks are always a step ahead of the crowd and they're always closing deals. Remember, Mogul Chicks make mogul moves and power plays. Your move. Now go be profitable. Bye.